Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in. Wednesday edition of the program. IU with a huge one tonight at home. It's senior night. And not only is Indiana trying to find their way into the NCAA tournament, but Rutgers is as well. This is truly a bubble uh, battle headed in here to early March. I mean, this is a big, big game uh, for both teams. Indiana, I've seen in the tournament in the first four or the last four in. I've seen Rutgers the first four out. So this is literally could be a flip-flop game. Uh, that puts somebody in and somebody out and gives somebody some work still to do the rest of the way. And again, I think no matter what happens with Indiana tonight, they've got work to do. They need to beat Purdue. I'm not sure that's possible. Wisconsin did it last night, uh, and they may need a game in the NCAA tournament if they cannot beat the Boilermakers. So a fun finish coming up. Great games last night at Seymour. Great games across the area. There were some really exciting scores to follow, and uh, we had a blast. Jeff Crawford and I were at Seymour for both of those Tuesday night games. Uh, Jeffersonville playing good basketball in that first game. The Red Devils get the win over Bedford. It was a two-point game when they met in mid-February, and last night Jeff uh, ended strong and uh, convincingly won the ball game. The second game last night, and we're going to talk about all this in more detail coming up here in just a few minutes, but the second game, Floyd Central and Jennings County, was an absolute battle. Floyd Central got down 14 points in the first half. Uh, even late in the game, uh, Jennings County was holding steady with a 6-7-8 point lead. And I thought at one point Floyd Central, when they were down 14, I thought they were going to come back. Uh, late in the game when they were down 6-7-8 consistently, I thought Floyd Central uh, may be done. But kudos to the Highlanders. I think they got that breakthrough win that they needed last night. You know, great teams always have some scary moments in the postseason. <clears throat> and I think last night was the scary moment for the Highlanders. I'm not sure they'll have a game that close the rest of the way through the sectional tournament, to be quite honest. But we'll we'll break it down again. Uh, Floyd last night really, really battled down the stretch. A double overtime affair, by the way, if you haven't heard about the game last night. And so we'll tell you more about it coming up here in just a few minutes. So let's look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one coming up right now. We'll have our uh, daily headlines, news and notes from across southern Indiana with sectional basketball last night. Plenty to get to uh, here on this Wednesday. We'll get you set for the IU Rutgers game coming up in just a bit as well. Also, couple of interesting Big Ten notes, uh, one involving Maryland. You can probably guess what it is from last night. 
the uh, or I'm sorry, one involving um, uh, Wisconsin. You can probably guess what it is last night, and one involving Rick Pitino. I'm not sure that you've heard about this. I may have just given it away with my misspeak of Maryland there, but we'll tell you about that coming up in the first segment. Also, later in the hour today, it's Wednesday, so it's Dustin Dopirak's turn to join us to talk IU basketball. He's our IU go-to guy on Wednesdays, and we'll get you set for the IU Rutgers game tonight with when Dustin is with us today. Uh, Rutgers is a very in, intriguing, very interesting team. Uh, they've had a solid year overall. They've not uh, had their best moments uh, here lately, but they have uh, knocked off some big teams this season. And we'll talk about that with Dustin coming up here in just a bit. Also, Later in the hour, we're joined by Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, and it's a perfect day to have Josh join us coming out of Tuesday uh, with all the sectional games last night, and we can now look ahead to Friday. We know what semifinal games across all of our local sectionals look like, so it's going to be fun to chat with Josh a little bit later in the program today. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. And the Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450, 502-414-1450. Thoughts on IU Rutgers? Questions for Dustin Dopirak? Were you at a sectional last night? Uh, where were you at? What did you think? Love to hear from you today. Again, the number 502-414-1450. Download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day. And let's get into our headlines today for this Wednesday program. First off, this day special to me because I'll never forget the Henryville Southern Indiana tornadoes. It was just a unbelievable day that year, uh, 10 years ago, uh, this day fell on Friday. And like most March weekends, you're getting ready, I was, for a sectional, uh, getting ready to actually meet some folks at New Albany High School and take a trip north to Seymour. Uh, that obviously got canceled. Uh, the sectionals got postponed and shifted around, if you remember, and so much devastation that we'd, we would watch unfold uh, as the evening went on. I can remember my friend Perry Hunter uh, at the time was the head coach at Henryville and, uh, you know, tried to call him just to say, Perry, are you okay? Is, you know, what's going on there? And couldn't get him on the phone. That was a, a little bit of a concerning moment there. Finally was able to reach Perry. He was actually in the school when the tornado hit. And I'll never forget uh, Perry Hunter sent me a photo that he took himself on his cell phone of the gymnasium with at Henryville High School with, with the whole side of the wall, uh, many of the bricks missing. You could see daylight in the gymnasium. And I tweeted that photo out when Perry sent it to me. And I've never to this, I mean, like, you know, CNN uh, retweeted the photo and it just, it, it became, I guess, what the kids nowadays consider something that goes viral. Uh, that was just a, a vivid image of that disaster from a basketball perspective that I'll never forget. And one other note, talking about Perry Hunter and some of the other coaches, I think of Doc Nash, uh, he comes to mind, and there were many others, but uh, a group of us led by the coaches from Henryville and Borden and New Washington and even Eastern Pekin because uh, those were the communities really that sustained the damage from the storms that moved through southern Indiana. We put a fundraiser together and just kind of shot in the dark. We weren't sure exactly what to do or what the right thing was to do, but we called it a night of hoops and hope. 
and your community bank, which is now West Banco uh, currently, uh, they were the title sponsor and they collected the money in a special account. But we had a legacy tournament where we allowed you basically an alumni tournament to get former players that had graduated from local high schools and enter a Jeffersonville team or a New Albany team. I think we had 16 or 18 different entries from across the area, spanning from down near Crawford County all the way up to Madison. And it really was a neat, neat day, a double elimination tournament. It started on Friday evening. And when we got down, this was all played at Charlestown High School on four courts. When we got down to the Legacy Tournament Championship, which, by the way, uh, Providence, I believe, with Ryan Miller playing, defeated a Jeffersonville team that, if I remember, the captain of that ball club was B.J. Flynn for the Red Devils. But Providence defeated Jeffersonville in the championship game of that legacy tournament. And we moved the championship game from Charlestown to Silver Creek. And then we also, that night on that Saturday, had two all-star games that followed the championship game of the legacy tournament. And it was an all-star game involving kids from the four communities that were affected. So they automatically, each of those schools, got, I think, three or four players on a 12-man roster. Uh, We had team rebuild and team rebound. And then we filled in the other spots. We had a a vote of the uh, uh, Charlie Jenkins at the time and the News and Tribune sports editor. I can't remember. Maybe Mike Hutzel uh, joined us. And we uh, picked the very best kids from the area to mix in with kids from those community schools that were affected. And we had a girls game and a boys game. And I'll never forget, in addition to raising a lot of money, it was just shy of $30,000 raised between sponsorships and donations and admission that was collected that weekend. Uh, The kids got so many free things. We had people sending us uniforms and warm-up tops and shoes, and you would have thought that this was the McDonald's All-American game, to be quite honest. But that's a a memory that I'll always uh, keep close. I was proud to be part of that, but more so proud to work with the boys and girls coaches at those four schools uh, to put something like that together. And and we had so many people that helped that I can't even remember all the particulars. But that was a a, a terrible time for Southern Indiana that resulted in a very neat and special fundraiser. We were just one of many. There were so many people that donated money and gave huge amounts and, and came up with creative ideas to help those communities. But I was always proud of the basketball community. And so when we get to March Madness and sectionals and NCAA tournaments around the corner, that's kind of a memory that I'll always remember when this date hits because 10 years ago it was a bad situation, especially in Henryville and Marysville and and Borden and some of those surrounding communities. But I did want to mention that today, special times for me. Uh, Continuing on in our headlines today, uh, a couple Big Ten notes. Wisconsin with a big win last night over Purdue. And with that victory, Wisconsin has clinched at least a share of the Big Ten Men's Basketball Championship last night. So uh, it's amazing to step back and think what Wisconsin under Greg Gard has been able to continue and maybe even raise the bar just a bit uh, year in and year out. A tough, tough opponent in the Big Ten Conference, and they win the Big Ten Championship this year. Another, uh, at least a share of it, another note to pass along, and I'm not sure if many people have seen this. I had somebody text me a story earlier this morning, and I had to check it to make sure it was a legitimate source. But uh, there are a lot of rumors out there that Maryland, who, of course, right now, Coach Manning is an interim coach helping get Maryland through the season, that they are heavily pursuing Rick Pitino as its new coach. So my question to you is, 
what if Rick Pitino joined the Big Ten Conference? I think he could do really well at Maryland. Would he leave Iona? Uh, He seems to have a love affair there. They've given him a second chance. He's stated as recently as within the last month or so he wants to finish his career there and try to set a win mark there. Uh, But would he leave for a high major program again and a Big Ten Conference job? Uh, I would be all for it from a Big Ten perspective. I think he would up the level of coaching and recruiting, and it would be fun to follow his teams as they play IU, Purdue, and others here in the Midwest. But I'm not sure if you're a Big Ten coach or an IU fan that you want to see uh, Rick Pitino enter the conference, to be quite honest. But that's another little Big Ten note that I'm sure will be fun to follow. And I would kind of be – I have no insider knowledge. I would kind of be a little surprised if Pitino uh, left Iona. I I truly feel, based on what he said, that he does plan to finish his career there. But things can always change and the opportunity to get back to a school that truly could have a chance to win uh, an NCAA championship, I would think, would be very appealing to Rick Pitino. So we'll see if anything comes of that. And now I want to spend some time talking about the sectionals last night, starting with Seymour. Uh, Jeffersonville, I think, playing its best basketball of the year. Jeff wins last night 61-48 over Bedford North Lawrence. It was a two-point game when they met uh, in the middle of February with Jeffersonville winning only because Will Lovings-Watts had a last-second shot down the middle of the lane. Last night, Lovings-Watts had 12, but it was Brandon Razor Moore. He plays so well at Seymour every year. He had 22 points last night to help the Red Devils. If Jeff plays like they did last night, they'll find themselves in the championship game on Saturday, and I think they could challenge Floyd Central. I think the Highlanders are the favorite, maybe the big favorite to win, but I do think Jeff has the ability to get around this great and long and lengthy Floyd Central defense to handle the pressure of Floyd Central's guards, and the Red Devils last night took a good step forward here in the month of March with a 61-48 win over Bedford. The second game was really unbelievable. Jennings County led 11-4 at the end of the first period. They led 31-14 at halftime. The second half belonged to Floyd Central. They got back in the game slowly, slowly, possession by possession, uh, finally able to chip away at Jennings County's lead, and then we went into overtime there, of course, double overtime before Floyd Central would flip the script and win 61-40. One of the things that stood out to me last night, Caleb Washington, uh, he's back from an ankle injury. He missed a couple games. Floyd Central lost a couple of those games that he missed. He's back from that. He only had two points last night. He was in and out of the ball game a lot. I'm sure that was set up by Coach Sturgeon to get him back in the flow of things, but In the overtime periods combined over both OTs, Caleb had 10 of 10. He was perfect from the charity stripe. It was a humongous part of Floyd Central winning that ball game last night. Max Trippier in the game was big. He had four three-pointers last night for the Highlanders. Uh, He can shoot it, but I don't remember him this season being that consistent of a threat for the Highlanders. He really helped them when they needed some help the most last night. Brady Moore always solid. He had 12 points, and I thought uh, Kyle Potts was great. His defense is always smothering. He kind of changed the perspective of the game late with how he was able to slow down uh, Keegan Manowitz, who I was just ultra impressed with last night for Jennings County. And, of course, you can't talk about Floyd Central's game last night without mentioning Wesley Selahusky, the seven-footer, had 14 points. And he does so much more than score you know, double digits most games for the Highlanders. Uh, he blocks so many shots. He affects 
so many shots that he maybe doesn't officially touch or block, and he's just a humongous defensive addition to Floyd Central's team. You get past the guards, you get past some of the other big men, you've got Big West down there in the middle, and he was really good last night for the Highlanders. Uh, Really, Jennings County was a great matchup for Floyd. Big Jacob Vogel, 6'8", matched up pretty well with Sella Husky. Jennings County had some other size to match up with Floyd. And their guards, I thought, most important because, again, they can handle the pressure of Floyd Central. But I think last night was the scary moment of the sectional for Floyd. I really do. I think that they've got a chance to cruise Friday and maybe even Saturday. This Floyd Central team is that good. And I was sitting with Jeff Crawford there in the corner of the gymnasium. I love Seymour. If you listen to this show, you know I love Lloyd E. Scott Gymnasium this time of year especially. I love our vantage point there. I love broadcasting games from there. Now they've added the big center scoreboard in addition to the other great things about the gymnasium. Uh, the scoreboard in the center, just the perfect touch, I think, for a, a big-time sectional environment. But where we were sitting, kind of overhanging there, right above one of the far scoreboards in the corner, I watched Todd Sturgeon come off the court last night. And you could talk, you, you could just see as he walked off the floor, a guy that was smiling, excited, but most of all, relieved because he knew that his team was able to return rally against a really good club uh, in the Hoosier Hills Conference in the sectional last night. And just a big, big way for Floyd Central to win that game down 14, consistently down in the second half by six, eight points. Uh, big, big win for the Highlanders. And uh, we'll see what they do the rest of the week. But this Floyd Central team, uh, if they can if they can do what they did last night, if they can can shoot it better, if they can continue the smothering defense, I think they've got a chance to make a run here in March, and we'll see how things play out. But it was an outstanding night of basketball. Now we're set up uh, for, I think, two interesting semifinals on Friday. Seymour is playing much better this season under Kirk Manns. He's done a fantastic job. You can bet that the Owls will have – a game plan for the Red Devils on Friday. I think that will be a good game. I really do. Uh, we'll see if Jeff can win it and get to the final. We're going to have, I think there's a great chance of an all-local final if Jeff can get to the championship game because New Albany, Floyd, both local. Can New Albany challenge the Highlanders? I'm not sure. They've got to hit shots. Uh, they've got to get off to a decent start against Floyd Central. But again, Floyd Central had their scary moment, I think, of the week on Tuesday night, and we'll see what happens on Friday. One thing is, we'll be there. Jeff Crawford and I will be at Seymour on Friday. So we won't be on till six o'clock, right at tip-off of that Jeff Seymour game, but we'll be on and bring you the call of both of those games on Friday night, and we'll return there on Saturday for the sectional championship game as well. We'll run down through some of the other sectionals coming up a little bit later in the program uh, when Josh Cook is with us here on the show. And as we go to break and turn our attention to IU tonight, Indiana looking for its third straight victory tonight. They will host Rutger, uh, Rutgers, excuse me, the Scarlet Knights, 16-12, and 12. And a uh, first team out of the field, the NCAA field, that is, according to uh, Andy Bottoms, who does bracketology for the Inside the Hall website uh, from Alex Bozich, who will be with us tomorrow. So 7 o'clock game tonight on the Big Ten Network. Both teams desperately need a win to help their NCAA tournament resume. Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times joins me in the next segment. We'll break the game down. We'll get you all set for this home finale, senior night. I hate to say it, but I'm going to another must-win game for IU if they're going to get into the NCAA tournament this year. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.
We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back here on this Wednesday program. Uh, Got to look at the Thornton's text line here for just a moment. Uh, Texter says, one word, yuck. I think that was in response to uh, my mentioning rumors that Rick Pitino's name has been mentioned with the Maryland job and uh, could uh, Coach Pitino enter the Big Ten Conference next season. Uh, you can send your questions and comments in, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450 on the Thornton's text line. Right now, Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times is my guest. And Dustin, this is a, a huge day. It's senior night, the final home game of the season. And this isn't just Indiana needing a win over a good Rutgers team. This is Rutgers needing needing a win as well because they're on the bubble squarely with IU also. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you don't want to go so far as to call it a play-in game because there's still more to be played. And obviously, um, I mean, there's a, a not small possibility that these teams could meet again uh, in a little over a week uh, in Indianapolis. It's, it's, I think, I'm not totally sure as I sit here what, what the standings are, but I think, I mean, it, Rutgers could very easily be the eighth seed. I mean, if, if Indiana beats Rutgers, they might have to go beat him again. Um, and so that's that's going to be interesting. It's, I mean, it, but it's it's of crucial importance. Uh, I mean, Indiana certainly, if they lose this game, absolutely has to win at least one uh, and probably two games in the Big Ten tournament or beat Purdue if they want to get in. I mean, this this isn't all or nothing, but it's close. Um, it's the best chance they have to put themselves in good position. That they're obviously out of opportunities uh, to put themselves in a safe position. You you know you look. I think uh, a lot of the bracketologies now they're 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 among the last four and they're looking at a play-in game right now and they need something uh, to help themselves. And obviously you you, you know you want to take advantage of the, of the fact that you're home that it's senior night. Um, weird as senior night has become because of the COVID year and everything, all the same. Um, it's a big night for Indiana. That it's going to have its home crowd behind it. And this is one it really needs to get. Dustin O'Pirak, my guest, we're going to break down this game and get you all ready for tonight. Before we talk about the game itself, let's talk about senior night. A couple players are expected to speak after the game, which has been a longstanding tradition at IU, but it sounds like speaking or not speaking, fans should not make any judgments about who is next or who is coming back next season uh, to use their extra year of eligibility. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously what uh, Indiana was pretty clear about saying, that just because they're doing a senior night doesn't mean they're not coming back. Um, you know, I mean, that being said, you know, you can read in some tea leaves if you want to. Uh, obviously, the fact that the guys that are speaking are the fifth-year guys, um, the guys who have been in college for five years. Um, obviously, each of them have played. Um, I mean, in, this will be Parker. This is Parker Stewart's third season. It's uh, Race Thompson's fourth. Um, so, you know, um, you you can take from that what you will. Obviously, these guys have been in college for a long time now. You know, Stewart had to sit out a year. Uh, ended up sitting out two years. Ended up sitting out the COVID year and uh, his transfer year between Pitt and Tennessee Martin. Um, and in um, in Ray Thompson's case, obviously had a redshirt year in 2017-18. So these guys have been in college for a long time, and you know they're older. They obviously they have the decision to make whether they still want to be in college for a sixth year. Um, so it's possible they've made that decision. Now, again, Indiana has been clear of saying that doesn't mean that they de- definitively have. They've definitively made a decision. But I thought it was interesting that Rob Tennessee chose not to be a part of it, and none of the other fourth-year guys chose to be a part of it when they had the option. 
Um, you know, Rob obviously could have, you know, this would be his uh, senior day if not for the COVID year. Uh, this would have been obviously his, his fourth year and whatever. And obviously he's been in Indiana the whole time um, and he chose not to do it. So I, I do think it, it tells you that some of these guys are thinking about next year. Some of these guys didn't want to do a senior day because they want to stay. Um, so it's it's worth reading. in. I mean, I don't want to say it's worth reading into. It's understandable to look at it and see some see a trend there. Um, and, and notice something there. But uh, again, Indiana has been very forthright in saying this doesn't mean that they're not coming back for sure. And I know Race Thompson, I know Zach Osterman's talked to Race about it. Um, and Race has said that he hasn't made that decision yet. So I, I can't speak for Parker, but at least that's uh, think what we know about Race at this point. All right, Dustin Dopirak is my guest. And Dustin, I promise I want to get to the game tonight. But yesterday, in talking about this very situation on the show, had some text and people say to me, you know, Matt, if these guys don't leave, if some of them don't, Indiana's got a problem for next season. And I know that currently IU would be, I think, three over if everybody came back. Mm-hmm. But, Dustin, maybe you can can take my side or reassure listeners on this. But in this crazy world of college basketball, recruiting, transfer portal, uh, COVID bonus years, and so many other things going on, I don't know who it's going to be or what it's going to be. None of us do, but there's going to be movement with this IU roster in the offseason. There's going to be some transfers. I feel confident in saying I have no uh, inside information and wouldn't begin to speculate who it would be. But, I mean, there is going to be, in this day and age we're living in, uh, movement each and every year. Some you may expect, maybe fans could guess at, and I think there'll be something with IU in the offseason that totally surprises everybody. It's just where we're at. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and that's across the board. Um, you know, like like you said, I mean, just, just everybody's going to de- deal with this. I mean, you obviously, um, and and it, it it is just one of those situations where like one, you know, I won't I say one tragedy begets another, but obviously, I mean, it, it made a lot of sense on the NCAA's part to say, you know, it's really not fair to these kids to take a year away from them when 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 they're going to lose so much, when there's going to be a season without fans, when they're going to play, you know. Um, uh, they're going to have games canceled. They're going to have to do a tournament entirely in a bubble. Um, you know, where it's, uh, I mean, I, I thought Indianapolis did a phenomenal job, but I mean, if you were a, a player in that, you didn't get to have a lot of fun. I mean, you basically just got, you know, you were quarantined, um, and they were treating you like, you know, you were in a, in a, in a bubble, basically, not, obviously in a bubble, but like you've been told, like, you're not allowed to leave, <laughs> you know, like you're, you're, you are to stay in that hotel room until you get to go practice, and that's it. I mean, they, they lost a lot. For having to play that season, it's understandable why they didn't charge him a, a year of eligibility. But they only had kind of the extension of you know your your roster gets to be bigger, your scholarship limit gets to be higher for one year, and now everybody's got to scramble because there's still all those kids that have that additional year. Um, if they wanted guys to get to stay for a fifth year, guys to get to stay for a sixth year, and guys who are you know freshmen or whatever that have years down the line. Um, so it's a shakeup, and then on top of that, you have the fact that you don't have penalty for transferring anymore, which you know makes sense considering. But it just it it, it creates a lot of chaos. Uh, it creates a lot of a lot of movement. Um, and Indiana's going to have some, and they're not going to be the only ones. Uh, I mean, Indiana—they're not in a unique situation, but they happen to be in a position where there's nobody who's who's out of eligibility. You know, they have fifth-year guys, but they all have a sixth year. They have fourth-year guys, but they all have a fifth year. Um, so nobody's out after this season. Where some other teams probably have some guys that were there for that, their last year. Uh, Indiana doesn't have that, even if transfers had two years left coming in. Um, so there, there is going to have to be there's going to have to be some movement. 
Um, and some of it, yeah, like I said, might be surprising, and, and, and that's that's tough that they, they might lose somebody they don't want to lose, um, and you know, or or it might be a situation where you know they're they're going to have to push a guy on um, who has a lot of time left, um, basically, if if you know who they, they might be worth ordinarily sticking around and finding out what he's got. You know, they've got to clear somebody out, and they haven't seen enough from that person yet, so they've got to move them along. And so uh, it's going to be very interesting. I mean, there's probably going to be some tough decisions, and I think you would be, uh, it wouldn't be the worst thing for Indiana to have those, that, those decisions eased by one or two guys deciding simply to move on from college basketball. Um, but, you know, those, those would be tough losses. I mean, if, if, it is, if Stewart and Thompson do decide that, that they are moving on, that they're done, and they want to go play, uh, professionally likely overseas in their cases, um, you know, obviously it hurts the front court, it hurts the back back court. You lose your best shooter and you lose uh, one of your most versatile players um, if those guys do move on. So there's, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's nothing Indiana is going to be rooting, IU fans are going to be rooting for here. There's somebody they're going to be rooting to lose, even the guys that aren't playing much. I don't think that they want to lose those guys. Um, but, you know, they've got to find a way to clear out space because they certainly want the three guys that are coming in. All right, Dustin Dopirak, uh, my guest. Dustin writes for the Bloomington Herald Times. Let's get into the ball game tonight. Uh, Rutgers is the challenge. We know both teams on the bubble, and I liked how you phrased it—a play-in game, not necessarily, but you, you could look at it in some regards that this is similar to a play-in game. There is still a lot of basketball to come after this, but the the Knights. When I think of of uh, the team, Ron Harper Jr., Geo Baker the third, most specifically, this is a Rutgers team that's talented, but they don't go very deep on their bench. Uh, they'll ride five or six players in many situations throughout. Out the game. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, those they, they ride those guys, but those guys are veterans, and they and they can take it. Uh, obviously, they've the, both of those dudes have played a lot of basketball. They got some other guys that have Caleb McConnell and Paul McKay. Uh, they you know and, and uh, Omori. I, I don't know if I'm getting his name right, but there's just there, there's a lot of talent in that small rotation, and you know those guys have given Indiana problems before. Harper and, and most specifically Baker has been real trouble for them. Um, so they, obviously Indiana has the the. the um, uh, advantage of having some more depth and, and being able to play with the depth at home. Um, but, you know, those are all tough covers, uh, basically. I, mean, I think Indiana's got answers, guys that can cover those guys, um, but they are absolutely tough covers, and they've pro- you know, proven to be trouble for Indiana in the past. All right, Dustin, looking at the game tonight for IU, Xavier Johnson I think is going to be a real focal point for IU fans as they watch the game. Xavier's been playing good basketball. He's been much more efficient in his shooting. He hasn't been a turnover machine that he was specifically much early on in the season. Can Xavier Johnson take the play that he's had the last few games into this big one tonight and the Big Ten Tournament? Yeah, no, he can. I mean, I just did a you know did a piece on Xavier that ran uh, online yesterday. I don't know when it's going to be in the paper. Hopefully today. But it, it just spent a lot of time talking to him about that, but also his his dad about that, his uh, you know his high school coach about that. You know, we talked to Mike Woodson about that a bunch about just how important it is for him to be able to slow down um, and and be not. I mean, he has to know when he has to you know pick up and take that gear because he's just so fast with the basketball. Um, you know, he can get downhill and, and basically when he's in transition, I mean, and, and if he's next to another guy, he blows by that guy. Um, he's just one of the fastest players in the Big Ten, and I think he relies on that sometimes too much that he can just will a play on on the basis of speed. Um, and sometimes he misses what's out there, but I think he's really seen the last couple of games and make a lot of smart decisions with the ball. 
knowing when to shoot it, um, and but just seeing what's around him, just knowing, be, being able to complete the pass, finding a way to put himself in a position where he can put the ball where he wants to, um, and and see what's there. Be smart enough to when he gets cut off, you know, not just try to bulldoze through somebody, but but you know pull up, look his eyes up, find somebody, get them the ball, get them in position to score. He's just been fantastic in that in the last couple of games, obviously. Um, and and it's, it's tough to maintain that, basically, because someone is always going to try to do something and take away what you want to do. And when that happens, you, you rely on some, you know, the things that you trust. In a lot of cases, that's his speed, explosiveness, ability to finish the rim. Um, but I think he's, I, he just really seems smart decision from the last couple of games. I mean, I think he can continue that. I mean, it's no guarantee that he will. Um, but I mean, he's also shot the ball better. I mean, I think he's really, um, there's, it's a subtle distinction, but just when he's got, just, it seems to have balance and just has his feet below him. Um, and, and, you know, it makes such a difference how he shoots the ball at the rim and from three. Um, he just seemed to have been wobbly the last couple of games in terms of how he was shooting the basketball. But I mean, just really had, uh, seemed to, you know, I got to just have his legs under him on his shot. Um, just, just had a sense of where he was putting the basketball. He's got that push shot. It is a little bit weird. I mean, you, you, you can't expect it to be, be consistent all the time. Just the shot is a lot better. And, you know, his finishes, I mean, I think he just, you know, had a lot of control going to the rim, wasn't getting knocked, knocked off of his line, um, and able to kind of stay through that. And I think that was, that's was that been really important for him. So he certainly can uh, continue to do that. And when he's doing that effectively, he's just really dynamic and tough to stop. All right, Ron Harper Jr., he's averaging just about 16 points a game, and he shoots almost 40%, just under that, from the three-point line for the Scarlet Knights. How does IU slow him down? I think that's going to be such a big key tonight. And who do you think guards him, or what's the defensive plan for Ron Harper if you're Coach Woodson? Yeah, I man, I think he's your, yeah, he's your stretch four, and you need Ray Thompson and Jordan Geronimo to do that. I mean, he, he falls from that E.J. Liddell line. He's a little bit more perimeter-oriented. Um, but I mean, he could take you inside and, and, and post you up, but he can also, uh, shoot really well from three. I and mean, he's a little bit better shooter. Like Odell is a better all around player. Um, but he's, I think he's, a, he, he's a little bit better shooter than Odell is. He's trouble. Um, and he's proven to be trouble for Indiana in the past. And you just got to be all over him. And Thompson, I think is the best option that they have for, for taking him on. Um, and so that's, you know, again, again, tough cover, but, uh, one, they, they at least have the bodies be able to hang with um you know so i think it's it's a big night for thompson to be really disciplined but also uh you know geronimo obviously has the athleticism for it sometimes he just gets a little bit out of position just sort of isn't thinking quite fast enough for his feet um so but you need geronimo to be really disciplined out there uh you know when he's going to be taken out there and have to guard him on the perimeter when he uh, comes off the bench so those that's i think the big assignment there the most important assignment is those guys just getting that right because i mean even if you're doing everything else right harper can still burn you all right, Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times with us here on this Wednesday edition of the program. Dustin, thanks for the rundown for tonight, and a big one ahead. We'll see what happens for the Hoosiers. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. We'll head to a commercial break, come back with Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. We've got to talk about sectional basketball last night, some good games across the area. I gave you my rundown from Seymour. We'll get Josh's thoughts, and we'll talk some of the other local sectionals as well. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. 
All right, we're back here on this Wednesday program. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, is my guest. This segment brought to you by Major League Shirt Company. They offer custom apparel to meet all of your needs, including T-shirts, uniforms, corporate wear, and promotional items. Let Major League Shirt Company outfit your team or organization today. Visit mlshirtco.com to find out more. Josh, what a great time it is to be a basketball fan in our state I broke down the Seymour games earlier, so let's start there before we move on to other sectionals. Your thoughts on the results last night, a nice Jeff win, and then Floyd Central battling back to upend Jennings County in double OT. Yeah, not not real surprising with uh, with Jeffersonville winning. I figured they, figured they would, but uh, yeah, that Floyd Jennings, that must have been a heck of a game, Matt. I tell you what, I got into the I left Borden and turned on the radio, and they were down 13 at halftime. And I was I was uh, shocked to say the least. But then, you know, listened to you the rest of the way, and that was that was quite a game, quite a comeback by Floyd. Just uh, you know, just uh, must just must have been a great effort by by the Highlanders. And um, you know what, uh, we everybody expected that to be a good game, and I guess it turned out uh, to be just that. And uh, uh, man, you, you know, you win. You see teams win close games like that and go on to win win championships sometimes. So we'll see if that uh, if that bodes well for the Highlanders there at Seymour. All right, Josh. Across the area last night, uh, lots of good games, lots of interesting scores. Where were you last night? And uh, give us a breakdown of what you saw. Yeah, I went to Borden for uh, for a little bit of both games there. Uh, Rock Creek and uh, New Washington. I guess was the better game. It was it was six points at halftime, and then in the second half, um, Rock Creek went on a little run there to start the third quarter and just kind of took over. Uh, you know, just Rock Creek is so big with uh, Deeper and uh, Jail Treat. I don't. Uh, they're going to be a tough out for anybody in that sectional. Uh, that was a pretty pretty impressive performance by them last night, and then they got Ladarius Wallace who kind of runs the show for them. So. They're a really, they're a really good team, and this, uh, you know, that was the first time they won even a sectional game in five years, I think. So, you know, they are, uh, or maybe six years, something like that. So, it, they're a really good team, and uh, I think they'll, uh, they'll be a tough out in that sectional. You know, Borden, they'll play Borden next, and that that should be a really, really good game. Obviously, Borden playing on its home court in the sectional is always going to be a tough out. So, you know, I expect a Expect a raucous crowd down there Friday night for that first semifinal and the second semifinal. Uh, be Christian Academy against South Central. You know, Christian Academy handled Lanesville pretty easily last night, but Lanesville didn't have uh, quite a few of its players. So, um, you know, the Warriors are trying to make it. Uh, they've been at the sectional final uh, five years in a row, so they're trying to make it six years in a row this this week. And uh, but you know, they got South Central on. Friday night, and South Central just beat Corden, which was a surprise, I think, to pretty much everybody. So, you know, they South Central must be playing well, and that's the, this is the right time to do it. So it should be a competitive second semifinal out there, too. All right, Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. When I saw the Christian Academy-Lanesville score, I knew that something was going on because even though Christian Academy was the big favorite last night, 
boy, when those two teams have hooked up in postseason play, specifically in the sectional, they've had a lot of battles in recent years. It's it's never been a margin, uh, anything like what the win was last night for Christian Academy. Uh, Josh, last night, I do want to give kudos to another local team, even though they were defeated, the 3A sectional up at Salem. Just one game there last night and two games there tonight. So if you're a, a hoop head that wants to see more basketball, you can go to Salem and catch two ball games tonight. We'll talk about that in a second. But North Harrison and Charlestown, uh, it was a blowout, a major, major blowout in the regular season. Last night, uh, I think Charlestown lost by 14 points. Now, by a lot of people, they would say, man, they got handled, they got worked over pretty good. But that was a much different Charlestown battle last night. So kudos to the Pirates and first-year coach Matt Lynch there, um, keeping it closer, keeping it reasonable against a very good and maybe the favorite there, North Harrison Club. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would, uh, I would agree with that. Yeah, I would say definitely North Harrison is the favorite uh, out there at that sectional. But yet, uh, you know, nice effort by uh, Matt and the Pirates. You know, they're they made some strides this year. I think they they finished uh, with eight wins, which is what they what they had last year. But they are, uh, you know, they're on the move. You can you can tell. So you know, it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting now. Those semifinals at Salem should be very very interesting uh, with. Uh, um, you know, Corden and North Harrison, and then we'll find out who the second semifinalist tonight. All right, uh, got to ask you tonight. Silver Creek is playing, and I've heard uh, many uh, rumblings out there that Caden Oliver may be eligible to play tonight for the Dragons. Have you heard that rumor, and have you been able to confirm anything on that front? <laughs> yeah, I've heard that rumor too. No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't asked Brandon about it yet. So we'll. Uh, We'll we'll see when the ball is tipped tonight. It's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, what uh, if he is uh, if he does play, what kind of uh, what kind of contribution he makes, what kind of boost he gives the Dragons. You know, that's uh, you know, obviously tonight should be a should be a pretty easy game against Salem since they beat him by seventy five, uh, you know, just a few days ago. So uh, semifinals is where it really could get interesting. Um, you know, if if it goes, you know. I'm, it could be Silver Creek against Madison. If uh, Madison could beat Scottsburg tonight, I don't, I don't know that that's going to happen. I think I, I like Scottsburg in that uh, second game tonight, but still, it, it'll be an interesting semifinal. Uh, Silver Creek, uh, if uh, for Silver Creek, if Kate Oliver does uh, does start playing, so you know that that really throws a uh, uh, throws kind of a wild card into that sectional. You know, we'll see, we'll see what happens, and uh, you know. I, I still, I still will not be surprised at all if it's a Silver Creek North Harrison final, and um, uh, then you know who knows in the championship game. You know Silver Creek's a four-time defending champ in that sectional, so we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, joining me. Anything else from last night? I guess we probably should mention the two A sectional up at Southwestern. I thought Henryville kept it close with the Rebels who went on to win the game. I think we've all been so set on a Providence-Southwestern championship game that anything else would be a surprise from there. Uh, last night, some close games from that sectional location. Yeah, yeah. The two-point game in the first one, Switzerland County beat Austin 52-50, and then, uh, then the Henryville-Southwestern game. Yeah, I, it, it was kind of a – I thought it might be an interesting game just because of, uh, you know, Henryville's pretty – uh, deliberate and you know they're they're hard nosed. They like to keep the score, uh, you know, somewhat low. So that was, uh, but 
uh, you know, the way I understand it, it was tied at halftime, and then uh, Henryville actually had a five-point lead, I believe, early in the third quarter before uh, Southwestern kind of rallied and took, took the lead. They were up three, heading to the fourth, and then uh, pulled away a little bit in the fourth. But, yeah, I, you know, that is kind of – that's the kind of effort I would expect out of Henryville, you know, just a, just a tough tough out you know, every year. It seems like uh, Jared Hill's squad is really – really hard nose so um yeah and i think that was it as far as the local sections go all right josh cook with me josh by the way while it's on my mind great work you guys had a special insert section for the postseason uh you had tremendous breakdowns of all the local sectionals and if fans didn't see that they they need to locate a copy before they head out to the semifinals on friday great stuff great stuff for our local teams well thanks and thanks for uh all your coverage, Matt. Like I said, I was driving back from board last night, and I was tuned into you and listening to the game. It's a heck of a game, man. Yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. All right, Josh Cook, my guest, Josh, as we get ready for the month of March, I know we're focused from an IU perspective on the Big Ten tournament, and can the Hoosiers uh, finally make the NCAA t- tournament and do it in year one of Mike Woodson? But th- there's many other March Madness storylines to follow as well. And as we work through the month, I want to make sure that I, with you in this segment, pay attention specifically to some of those things. But we've got a lot of local guys that could have a chance to get to the NCAA tournament, and they could, uh, maybe not in Division One, but we've got some other guys that have their sights on national championship, uh, whether it's a lower level or maybe junior college basketball. I think of Sean East and Kobe Barnes over at John A. Logan in Illinois. So there, there's going to be a lot of local ties to March as well. I guess that's what I'm trying to, to touch on here. March is, could be a good month for a lot of local players playing college hoops. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Those two guys you mentioned, uh, Sean and Kobe, they figure they should definitely have a good shot at uh, you know in a national championship this this season. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. You know, we've got uh, you know several several guys in D one. I'm not sure uh, how many of them will make the tournament. You know, I, I know you mentioned Josh Jefferson and Middle Tennessee the other day, but man, it's just an impressive season for them and and, and uh, individually. So going to be interesting to see if, if uh, Middle Tennessee can, can get in the tournament or, uh, you know, Toledo. I know I know Cooper Jacoby is, uh, he hasn't played as much as he did early on, but I know Toledo's really, really good this year and, and would be surprised at all to, to see them in the tournament. And, you know, and then who knows after that, you know, and then Division Two, Division Three, NAI, I mean, I think we've got kids at pretty much every level who who should have a have a shot at and making some noise in the postseason. It's really, uh, you know, it's a, it's a it's an exciting time. It's a great time, and uh, you know, the madness just got started last night up there in Seymour. It sounds like so that was, a, that was a great way to kick it off. Yeah, absolutely. Look forward already to Friday and Saturday. We'll see uh, who can advance on locally. I think we've got a number of teams here that have a shot to uh, play another weekend and move into the regional round. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. You can read his work at newsandtribune.com slash sports. And make sure you check out that special uh, postseason preview insert. They had one for each of the four classes. Uh, Really good stuff from Josh and the team at the News and Tribune. Josh, thanks for the chat. 
Thank you, Matt. Have a great day and have a great weekend. Absolutely. This segment each week brought to you by Major League Shirt Company. They can help you if you're looking to raise money for your team or event. Let Major League Shirt Company's online fan stores work for you. You can outfit your fans and raise money with very little effort. Major League even does the sorting. All you've got to do is cash the check. Find out more at mlshirtco.com. That's mlshirtco.com. That is going to wrap things up for this Wednesday show. It goes without saying, IU tonight, 7 o'clock against Rutgers. I think the Hoosiers win. Tonight, they're a great chance they're in the tournament. Now, if they win one in the Big Ten tournament or were to upset Purdue, I think they're definitely in. But they got to win this ball game tonight at Assembly Hall. And it would be nice to have IU in the NCAA field. It's going to be fun regardless. But it would be nice to talk about the Hoosiers for a couple additional weeks. Not next year's roster or recruiting but the team in the tournament this year. So join us tomorrow at 11 o'clock. We'll have a full rundown of the game. We'll get you ready for the weekend as well. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.